Welcome to the Alberta Wildlife Stories Podcast. I'd like to give a big shout out to our supporters Grizz Targets, Slayer Calls, C&D Archery, and Precision Edge Taxidermy. To find more info on these great people, be sure to check out the links in the description, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Join us on June 29th to July 1st for the first annual Alberta Wildlife Stories 3D shoot hosted at the Sherwood Park Archery Club in Central Alberta. The three-day shoot will consist of four rounds, door prizes, vendors, a charity shoot-off, and much more, with all proceeds going to support the Sherwood Park Archery Club. To register, visit SherwoodParkArchery.com, and we hope to see you there. Joining me today is Casey Van Niedek. Casey runs the Hunt in the Pines pages, where he shares his many wild endeavors in our Alberta backcountry. He is a father and a family man with loads of experience in the outdoors, from western big game hunting with bows and rifles, to fly fishing and cutting tracks with hounds. Recently, Casey found success on a late season elk hunt and had an awesome double header during deer season. I'm stoked to hear more about the stories and all the man's adventures. Without further ado, Casey, thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Doing good. <laughs> we probably just good. Had, had the most technical difficulties we've ever had getting in here, but I'm stoked we're finally here and we should be all good to go. So yeah, I think we're I think we're set finally. So it's awesome <laughs> to be here, man. <laughs> oh, and, and again, no thanks for uh, coming on. It's been nice in the last few months, kind of getting to know you a little bit through social media and just seeing all the stuff that you do. It's uh, quite wild the repertoire of things that you get into for sure yeah man i try and i try and spend as much time out in the bush as i can so yeah which is probably more needed for more people these days than (laughs) oh definitely man it's it's good for the soul to be out there it's good just to it kind of it brings you into a different place in in your head right so get you away from all the hustle and bustle of the of the city life or wherever you are so yeah oh and it's more needed now than ever sometimes just getting the escape and getting out there and experience life out there it's pretty wild for sure you can you can learn a lot out there so yeah i wanted to really start with you you know to go way back really and ask you know were you born and raised in alberta here yeah so i was uh i was born in last bridge i grew up um kind of on well we lived on um a family farm for a bit my grandpa's farm um just kind of north west of pitchy butte till i was like six and then uh we moved to pitchy butte after that and uh yeah i basically i grew up in pitchy butte till i was you know uh 18 and then i moved away but that's where my uh hunting career kind of started out there so Nice. Yeah, I seen that uh, this like old vintage photo you shared. I want to use vintage, make it sound old, but <laughs> um, how old were you then when you kind of fell in love with the outdoors? Was it like a family member that, or just you know living on a farm and things like that? Like what really kindled that for uh, you? So when uh, when we moved to 
to pitch a butte um my my dad never really hunted um he got into hunting through uh our neighbor um we became friends and he did a lot of hunting and then my dad started uh going to archery at the local archery club in picture butte and then wow. i started going there as well shooting shooting a recurve and uh my dad had he bought an old bow off of uh Actually, I think he traded some beef for like this old compound bow that was like, yeah, it was ancient. And uh, yeah, so we started there going to the archery club and then uh, started going out hunting with uh, uh, the neighbor there and then kind of starting to go out on our own. And yeah, it was kind of all started from there at. I think I was about six years, six or seven when I started going out with my dad. Wow. Yeah. So That's super cool. And so were you guys doing like a lot of fishing and stuff like that too around that time? Uh, yeah. Yeah. My dad got into fly fishing and uh, my dad worked on a lot on uh, like a feedlot outside of Pitcher Butte. So he knew a lot of farmers and they all had uh, like uh, fish ponds, right? So stock ponds. Yeah. So we kind of, we did a lot of, uh, I learned how to fly fish basically on a stock pond. So it was, uh, you caught a lot of fish, so it was nice. Yeah, that's cool. And around the same age too, we were flying fishing? Uh, no, it was a little bit uh, later on I started fly fishing. Um, I want to say like 10 or 11, I started fly fishing. Wow. Something like that. I remember using one of my dad's older rods it was like a big old eight weight so it was just a tank of a, a rod and I was just, it was always struggling but it was that's kind of how i learned but that's pretty cool though man because like i don't know the that age range like you gotta i don't know it seems like you gotta have a lot of patience with fly fishing and um i don't know it's, i feel like it's not so often that you hear of a lot of kids that age that uh, are willing to put in the time and effort to figure out the casting and stuff like that. Was that something you were just like gung ho about figuring out? I was gung ho about it, but I, my patience, I, I don't, ha I didn't have a lot of patience. My dad, he had a lot of patience, <laughs> which, which was good. So, but I mean, it was, you know, standing on the end of the dock and just learning how to learning how to cast and going from there. And then I think, I don't know. My dad, I got one for either my Chris for Christmas or my birthday uh, when I was probably 13. So, oh, wow. and then it was, I think it's a four weight. I actually still have it. I have that and I have the reel that, uh, that I got. So. Wow. Yeah, man, that's wild to think about. I'm just thinking, I'm like, man, for, I did a lot of spin fishing growing up and then, you know, I didn't get into fly fishing until I was an adult and, didn't really have anyone that way, like similar to how like your father would have shown you the ropes that way. Like my dad was always showing me fishing and stuff, but never one to go full out into fly fishing and everything. Um, yeah. And yeah, it just seems like it's really cool because I feel like most people that I talk to are pretty late bloomers in fly fishing. It's not something that a lot of people or a lot of kids, I think, yeah, like you say, have had the patience to pick up or stick with or continue on to do kind of thing. So. Yeah, and I mean, and I mean, at that time too, my dad was still learning how to fly fish too, right? Like that's mm -hmm. when he was teaching me. So, 
I mean, it was kind of a, he, we were both learning. He picked it up a lot quicker than I did, but it was, uh, yeah. And then when going out to like the actual rivers and fishing the rivers with the fly pole was a whole different story. You, you okay. think you're going to, you think you're going to catch all these fish on the river and it's compared to the pond. Yeah, it was totally different. I, I don't know how long I fished on a river before I caught a fish on a fly rod. <laughs> That's so true, man, because I had somewhat similar, like, yeah, you know, cut your teeth on a stock pond, and then you go out and you start trying to read a river for, you know, little little pools that they'll be hanging out in, you know, behind rocks and resting or something, or some back eddies and stuff, and you're like, yeah, reading, or, like you say, just reading a river in general, man, it took me forever, too, to catch something in a river that way. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then dealing with, you know, on a pond, it's it's usually open, right, so you can just cast, and then on a river, I mean, you got trees behind you and you got so many more obstacles you got to overcome to, to get your fly out there. And there was, there was a point where I just kind of was like fly fishing on the rivers was just, I wasn't catching anything. And I was like, wow, I'm just going to start spin casting. So I kind of did both of them growing up. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think, you know, like there is sometimes, it's tough. Like there's a, a time and a place for each, I guess, tool, if you will, for in the outdoors. Like there's sometimes I'm targeting fish and sure, like you can, you know, with sinking line and stuff, target walleye with a well-placed, you know, streamer or something. Um, yeah. And it's fun to do it. But if I'm going to go hammer walleye with some buddies or something, I ain't going to be doing it with some fly rods. Right. So it's like, yeah, it's tough to kind of, in one sense, I always want to do the one that you're kind of more in love with at the time with doing and also just taking out what's going to be getting you more successful in certain places for sure. But yeah, sometimes whatever works best. Yeah. Is, so did you guys, is what it was all about. yeah, absolutely. Did you guys uh, like tie flies too, or do you still? Uh, I don't anymore, but I did when, when I was younger. Um, right now I just, I don't have the time and I don't, I think I still have all my old stuff somewhere stashed in a box, but I know uh, my dad still ties flies every once in a while. So nice. I do want to get back into it. I want to, uh, I want to teach my daughter how to do it because she's like, she's very artsy and I think, I think she'd really enjoy it. So, yeah. Yeah. That's super cool, man. It's, you know, I tie, but not as much as I want to as well. Like, like you said, man, like being a dad and stuff, it's hard to find the the time to do it. Um, I like to try to do, you know, like a, a box before the summer. Like I'd like to try to tie something coming into like March, April and do something with, you know, a few different patterns, some nymphs, some dry flies, some click hammers. So just a few different things that are kind yeah. of tried and true and just to have something for the season kind of thing. And I've been trying to do that. And even then, it's tough because when you don't do it often, you, it's quick to become subpar at it. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. Just, sure. like, yeah. I mean, if I picked it up again, it would be, yeah, it'd be a whole learning process again. But I mean, nowadays you got YouTube and you got all kinds of sources to, to learn from. Right. So. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it does surprise me how much, like you say, like kids actually get into it. I know like at Reeds here in Edmonton, they have like a youth fly tying night but even from experience like i was out uh, camping with some friends and 
uh, this was just before we had our son. And I remember tying a fly and like, you know, five and six year old kids were hanging out the whole time, like super interested in how it worked. And I was like, man, I didn't expect a kid to be as intrigued. Right. So like you say, with your daughter it could be really cool. But, yeah. Yeah. No, some kids just find, find that stuff super interesting. And when they do, you just kind of gotta, you gotta teach them what you know. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, man, like talking to you, it almost sounds like Casey, you went from, like the harder way of things to start like it almost sounds like you're like bow like archery and fly fishing and then you're like oh maybe i'll try you know like at what point did you get into um like rifle stuff was it when you just got older obviously or did you uh when when i was of age to to rifle hunt i uh i started i started with the rifle so i when did i i started bow hunting i think it was 12 you could start bow hunting and um yeah i bow hunted i i wasn't successful um but i think the first year i shot was was with a rifle it was it was quite a few years before uh before i shot my first animal with a bow and uh like my like my one buddy in high school we used to get uh his mom would drive us out to the coolies um down the road on some property we had permission on and we would go hunting after school all the time nice yeah super cool man to have that to to be able to do that at that age is freaking awesome to have that opportunity yeah it was good like you say my what uh my dad worked on a a feedlot just outside of pitcher butte and they had a whole bunch of coolie and river bottom land and that's where we spent most of our time so and that's super cool so navigating through all of that like starting with archery as your dad started getting into that compound and stuff and then the fly fishing and you know spinning and then to rifle at like was it kind of into maybe like early adulthood that you started to maybe pick out like do you do you prefer like at this point or do you just enjoy each kind of method for its own uh, for its own reasons. Like, and, and I know that's like lots of guys, you know, they prefer rifle hunting when they feel like it, you know, <laughs> or they prefer yeah, this. No, I, I definitely prefer bow hunting. Yeah. Um, like it, just, it brings it closer to, to the animal. And I feel like it brings it closer to nature. Right. So yeah. like it, you got, you know, you got to get so much closer. And I mean, rifle hunting, it's, not as easy as you know everyone's oh go out with a rifle and shoot whatever i mean there's still struggles with rifle but with uh with bow hunting i i find it much more enjoyable and uh i try and get out as much as i can with the bow and my my favorite is uh bow hunting elk in the rut with the bow is probably my would be my top top hunt so And there's just something with the <laughs> the screaming and the it's I don't know I feel like it's totally different right because when you're when you're chasing deer or even bears for that matter a lot of things it's it's always this like very quiet game right like it's try to stay as still don't make a note a noise don't go see I mean maybe maybe with moose it's a little different you can do some more raking and stuff I know like sure if you're racking antlers for deers or whatever but yeah 
It's just funny because, yeah, with elk, it's just you're just screaming back and forth with these animals and you're just making all the noise. It's just a total different dynamic, especially like you say with archery, man. That's nuts. Yeah, it's just a different style of hunting, right? And I like myself, I don't, I have the patience to sit, but I'd rather be moving around. You know what I mean? And that's that's one thing I really like about elk hunting is you're always moving, you're, you know, you're ripping ridges, going you know, from one to the next, trying to find that, that bugle. Right. So, yeah. and then when they come in screaming, it's just like heart pounding. and Like cool. there's, there's no other feeling, you know, I mean, even mule deer hunting is, I love mule deer hunting, but elk hunting just, it just takes the cake. It, uh, yeah. there's no other rush like it that I've found yet. Yeah, man. No, and that's really well put. And I like it, what you said too, with it just being like, it is a totally different dynamic that way to just be running around, covering a lot of ground. You don't have to sit still in a sense for too long. I mean, it is a totally different style of hunting in general. It's crazy. But, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, and then I noticed you're doing some more hound stuff. Are those coon hounds? Are you chasing cougars? Like what do you primarily do? No. With- with your dog so the, so the dogs i have right now um they're one's a a blue bacardi um blue bacardi spaniel he's a bird dog and then uh my other one is uh he's a catahoula cross with a burmese mountain dog so yeah so he's uh he does got i mean the catahoula i know people use him for for cats but he, uh, I don't really hunt with him. Like the, the blue Bacardi I got, and uh, I'm trying, I'm working on training him for, for birds or whatever. Yeah. So, but uh, I did have hounds a few years ago, and uh, yeah, they were, I did a lot of training with them, and they were a lot of work, and I, uh, I did end up selling them to a guy because I felt I just didn't have the time to uh, to get them out and hunt them. And I feel like the breed and like they had so much drive to hunt. I just felt like they needed to go somewhere where they could do what they were meant to do. Right. So yeah, like you wanted to do them justice for what they were bred. Yeah. And the thing. Yeah. yeah. And the guy, uh, the guy I sold them to, he ended up, he did get, uh, the second time he took him out, he did get a cat. He got a nice big tom. Damn. And, uh, you know, I asked him, I was like, how did they do? And he goes, man, they were, it's like he'd done it a hundred times. Wow. And I was just like, man, that's awesome. That made me feel real good that all that training I put in paid off and uh, that they did a good job. But Dude, I wish, cool. yeah, I wish I would have kept them, but, you know, I was having three kids and i mean when i had them the price of fuel was just outrageous and you know <laughs> you you put on miles and not find a track and you know it was it was just not affordable and i just i felt like they need to go somewhere where they could where they could hunt right so yeah. and the guy had lots of time and he he uh he still uses them so Dang, man, that's super cool. That, well, I mean, good on you anyway, like for training them up as much as you did and then, you know, recognizing, hey, you know what, I should still like, you know, have them serve their purpose and 
and then again with the energy that they must have had and all that stuff right like like you say it's a, a lot to do a lot to take care of so yeah and then to yeah. see him successful like that man that's freaking cool yeah so but these two dogs i got now like um i've been um training them to pull a kick sled oh so it's like a it's like a mini dog sled really i don't know why oh. i've never even heard of it yeah no i never i was listening to a podcast and uh the lady was talking about kick sledding and i was like oh that sounds interesting and i looked it up and i was like oh man I got to get one of those. So I found one up in Edmonton and uh, I got my brother to bring it down and I got a couple harnesses and uh, yeah, the last couple of weeks I've been taking them out and getting them to pull my kids around. So dude, that's wild. I just looked at it right here and yeah, man, it's like, it almost looks like a chair on skis, but you're standing behind the chair. Yeah, pretty much. So you can have someone like sit on a chair and then you stand on the back. There's like two little like plastic, forms on there that you can put your feet on and yeah. then uh, you can get them to pull you so dude that's super cool i've never heard of that that's yeah cool. man it's fun it's uh it's a good time the kids love it yeah no doubt and how old are your kids now uh so my oldest is eight and then six and then my boy is four nice man so yeah. with all that being said like you know growing up the way that you grew up and naturally got tied to the love for the outdoors and everything. Um, kind of coming full circle to you being a father now, like I assume it's a great deal of importance to you to kind of instill that same love to your kids now for the wilderness. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. So I get them out as much as I can. And I mean, I took, uh, I took my daughter, was it last year? Yeah, last year I took my daughter and her friend out hunting. And uh, it was mid-November. And it was, oh, it was like minus 25. So I'm like, okay, I got I to gotta keep these kids comfortable. Because they're seven years old. And her one friend, is he's just stoked on hunting. So I was like, okay, we're going to take him out. So I got a blind, I had propane, heater, I had snacks, I had all the stuff to keep the kids entertained. And uh, we're going to go out to a spot and I was going to do some rattling, set up the, set up the hut and have the heater going and stuff. Cause you want to, you want to keep them comfortable. You want them to have a good time. Cause you don't, if they have a bad time, then they don't, then they don't want to do it. Right. So, yeah. but uh, we're hiking in and I got a big sled full of all this stuff and the her one friend looks over and he goes, Oh, there's some deer. And I'm looking, okay, yeah. So there's a couple does over there. And so my the general tag out here, you can shoot a a buck or a doe. Yeah. And I just wanted to give him the experience, right? So I'm like, hey, like you want to so we shoot a doe? He's like, Yeah, yeah, let's shoot a doe. So we uh so we sneak up there and um through the trees there ended up being a little buck so he's like oh yeah shoot the buck so line <laughs> up and we shoot the buck and uh we see him he kind of goes running so we and then we have to cross this little canyon go up and over and he went out and he he tracked the blood and he ended up finding the deer so and they were they were both just stoked on it and then you know gutted the deer and showed him all the different parts on the inside and 
you know, they weren't, but uh, I knew the boy wouldn't be, but my daughter, Kaylee, she was just, she was so intrigued with everything, you know, like the heart and the lungs and just explaining everything. Right. So yeah, it was, uh, it was an awesome experience. Dude, that is so cool. Good on you for doing that, man. That is so yeah. cool. Um, and getting them to help me drag it out. So I put it in the sled and had them drag it out. So, <laughs> dude, they, and like that, kid, both both the kids, like, but yeah, they're not gonna. I don't think ever forget that. You know what I mean? No, that's, definitely not. So, man, that's yeah. That doesn't get yeah really better than that. Being able to uh pay it forward that way to the next generation and see them like that i know you know like you say with uh wondering how maybe your daughter would be or just kids in general or anything around you know field dressing and stuff like that right and it's wild how exactly like you say like how educational it becomes um and when it's looked at through you know the respect for the animal you know being thankful to have taken its life for you know the meat and everything and then to also like be learning at everything through there. Like that is just pretty much the perfect first experience that they could have, you know, like that's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And then they help. They, when I, like I, I process my own deer cause it's to take it to a butcher is, it's just outrageous. Oh, yeah. So, and then at least I know I get, I know what, I know exactly where the meat comes from, right? Like from field, from my garage hanging to the table, I know exactly the whole process that meat has been through right so yeah i'm the same way sorry go on no go ahead i was just gonna say that i'm the same way with um with the butchering and everything but i just find it funny that sometimes i like anticipate my hunts based on how much time i would have to like butcher (laughs) i'm like oh well i don't know if i should go out sunday morning because if i gotta get to work the next day and i you know take a moose or something that's like I'm going to be up <laughs> for a long time. Well, yeah, definitely. And it's all weather dependent too, right? Like if, yeah. you know, you shoot an elk in, in the rut in early September, right? You could either have, you know, it could either be 10 or 15 degrees or it could be plus 30, right? Like this last year was, it was hot. Dude, it was so, weird. Yeah. It still is weird, but yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been uh, quite the, quite the year this year. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know if I cut you off there from where you were going with stuff with the kids there, but no, that's all good. Um, yeah. but yeah, like the kids help like this year, they started helping with, uh, packaging all the meat and stuff like that. You know, I'm teaching them how to use the, the vacuum sealer. So I'm putting the meat in the bags and they're, they're sealing them up and then they're making the bags for me. So it's, it's nice to have the little helpers now. So, oh, dude, no doubt. Yeah. yeah and it's, and it's not like, you know, like I'll ask them like before, like I'd ask me, hey, you want to help? No, I don't want to help. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But like this year they're all, they all wanted to help. Right. They all, Hey dad, can I, can I do this? Can I do that? Yeah, for sure. Let's, let's go. So they're doing it on their own accord. I'm not forcing them to do it. Like I don't want to force them into doing anything that they don't want to do. Right. So if they do it on their, want to do it on their own, then it's, then it's it's easier that way yeah oh no doubt casey yeah that's that's pretty much the best way you could ask for it to happen because like i just have the one son and yeah right now and he's just turned three and uh you know it's like i've always had that same 
mentality, like you're saying, where it's like, you know, I'm not going to be like, well, you got to hunt boy, you know, <laughs> like, it's not like, yeah. you know, but if he takes to it, great, that's awesome. But same thing, like, you know, I think we talked to you, like he's currently into the whole monster truck thing. And it's like, we'll go full out monster trucks, you know, like that we'll go to where he's at too, you know? If that's what yeah, definitely. Yeah. My boy is full on monster trucks too, man. <laughs> monster trucks and hunting and dinosaurs. <laughs> Sounds like a little boy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, mean, I brought him, I brought, um, I brought him out a couple times this year and uh, we went out bird hunting a couple times and, it's just it's just good to get him out, right? Get him out in the in the woods, and you just kind of show him stuff as you go, right? So yeah, that's that's the best place for them to learn. For sure. You said he's four now. He's four. Yeah, he just turned four in four in uh, January here. So nice. Yeah. yeah. Same with my son in January there, but yeah, it's funny because uh, same thing. Like I took him out for his first time this past fall, and. I really didn't expect much out of it and not too much came out of it. But other than, like you say, just keep showing them stuff, you know, like by the time we got home, you know, he's like, mom, you know, we saw deer poop, we saw moose tracks, you know, you, you know, point out all those little things, like you say, right. Just keep showing them stuff regardless out there. Right. So definitely when you see it, like I always point out what kind of poop is that, you know, what kind of scat is that? What kind of track is that? And they're, they're pretty good at, uh, they're pretty good at identifying it. Like they can identify like, you know, deer poop and, and moose and elk poop. Well, not like moose and elk, but they know it's one or the other, right? Because it's bigger. So, yeah. And then the trap. So, I mean, take them out and show them they're, they're going to pick it up. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. And it's yeah. crazy. Cause you know, like with the upbringing that you had learning it when you did, and then your kids having it um, like for myself, yeah, sure fished for majority of life, but hunting I didn't get into until like a, the whole adult onset hunter thing yeah. uh, until being an adult. And that was just like my dad loved fishing, but he was never much into the hunting side of things. But, uh, you know, it's funny because when I first started going out with some guys and they were like, you know, showing me like, oh, man, like look at these scrapes over here, you know, or and and, and just seeing those kind of signs, I realized like how much in my life I literally would it be out hiking or like camping or walking through the woods? And I never realized like how much of a story, like how the woods was telling you like right in front of your eyes, if you look for it. Right. But. Oh yeah, for sure. There's, there's so much to when you actually pay attention and, and you have to know what you're looking at too. Right. So, I mean, if there's could be people that walk through and, and see that stuff and just have no idea what it is. Right. But exactly. Yeah. If they got someone there to tell the story behind it, then it's, it, uh, it makes a lot more sense. So. Yeah. It really makes the, I mean, don't get me wrong. The outdoors always feels very alive, but sometimes when you're in the woods and you don't like, you don't see any wildlife, you think it's like scarce of it. But once you start picking up on all the lo little signs, you realize that it's just like booming around you. It's just kind of like hiding from you or whatever. Right. So. Oh Yeah. Yeah, you don't realize how much is actually in the woods until you kind of just sit back and watch. Yeah. So to kind of go back to, uh, well, actually, you know what? I had another thing that popped in my brain. I'd seen a bunch of pictures that you were sharing. Are you a professional scorer or do you score for friends or what? Like, I just seen you do a lot of scoring. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, not a professional score, um, okay. but uh, I am an Alberta fishing game uh certified score 
Okay. Yeah. So I went, uh, I actually didn't, I missed all the ones I usually go to this year. Um, but with being busy with work and stuff, but, uh, last year I did do the straight shooting outdoors, big box show. Nice. And, uh, I do, I'm still a member of, uh, the picture butte fishing game. So I usually try and go out there and, uh, do the scoring out there. And then, uh, I try and help out here in, um, in the Crow's Nest Pass. They got a fishing game club too that I like to try and help out. So, and then, and then whoever, whoever asks, I'll, uh, gladly go out and put a tape on, on whatever they got. So nice, man. it's always good. You always get to hear lots of stories and see lots, uh, lots of antlers of what people took. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. And uh, yeah, just to be in the vicinity of some of people's like most proud moments of what they may be getting measured or something, you know what I mean? Like that, it's just so cool. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's usually always a good story behind yeah. behind all the animals. So, and then it just it gets you a part of the community too, right? So that's very everybody, true. So yeah, no, well, that's really cool, man. But. But yeah, that was just a <laughs> sidetrack thing that I caught, and I was like, "Man, I gotta ask you about that." But, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, to even go into when you were talking about like your love for uh, elk hunting and everything, um, you had a late season cowl. Is that what you it was? Yeah. So my cousin got a uh, late season cowl tag. Oh, so, and so was that your first time doing a late season tag like that? Uh, yeah, I had a late season tag a few years ago. Um, yeah. I never filled it, but, uh, um, yeah, this was my first time doing that late season hunt. So, and what did you guys think of it? Like, I, I know a lot of people are like, man, if you want to meet and you want to experience, go get one of the late season tags and go and have at her kind of thing. It's a good hunt, man. Like we, um, we got, we got on a lot of elk this year. Like we, we probably seen 400 head of elk where we were. Dang. And, uh, but I mean, we went like when I had my tag, I think it was like 2020. Um, we, I never, we never found, well, we found a few, but we never, we never got one. But like, I'm used to hunting the rut, right? Like in September. Yeah. So like usually after the rut, I'll do a little bit of rifle hunting in in November, but after that, I've never really gone out. So I was going out to a lot of the places where where you'd see them in September, and I realized I was like, wow, the elk don't hang out here when uh, when it's not the rut. So like you gotta totally change your hunting tactics and find out kind of where their winter range is, right? And then yeah. it's all kind of weather dependent too right like this year when we went out uh when we drove out there it was plus four and uh the first day we went out uh we got on the property um talked with the ranchers a bit and then hiked in and then we got one the first day and uh that night it dropped down to about minus 16 and then the next day we went out, uh, we located the herd again, and then uh, we came out the third day and found them, 
and that day it was minus 38 and minus 30 or no minus 47 with the wind chill wow that probably the coldest i've ever done any hunting like it was it was crazy like when we when my cousin shot that second elk um we went up and like quartered it but like as i was skinning the elk and pulling the hide back like it was like literally freezing as i was what (laughs) oh yeah dude as i was skinning it and pulling the hide back it was like damn near freezing in my hands like it was it was wild we yeah we shot that elk at 9 30 and we had it fully skinned and quartered and quarters on our bags uh by 10 30. Oh, oh yeah dude we, we were hustling we were hustling like and like you couldn't you couldn't take the gloves off so i was doing everything with gloves on because usually like i mean yeah minus 40. I mean, even with holding on to the hide, like the warm hide and stuff, your hands yeah. just, your hands just freeze, right? So, but we had, we had quarters on the back and we hiked out back to the truck and we were standing by the truck and the rancher had actually come by and we were talking to her and she goes, oh, where'd you get that elk? And we're like, oh, just kind of up the valley here. It was probably, oh, it was, what was it? Probably four and a half K. So it wasn't too far, but um, she ended up letting us drive up another like three K up there. So we're about a kilometer from, from where we shot it. So that was, uh, that was, we were very thankful. Yeah. Gave you a little bit of a shorter pack out with all that. Oh yeah. And I mean, I have no problem packing, packing animals out. Like, like I'm a I'm a pack mule. Like I'll pack a lot, but when it's that cold, it's just like oh, it's grueling. Yeah, it's just like your body doesn't even want to work. Like the muscles don't want to work in that weather. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Dang, dude, that's so wild. So, as for like, and this is just out of not knowing at all with it because I haven't done uh, late season. But um, are you still using any? calling to your advantage at all when you guys were out there or is that when you Uh, like something you're just not using as a tactic as much no we never used any calling you could probably you could probably do some cow calling to kind of like pique their interest maybe if they like see some movement or something like that you could probably do some cow calls and it would probably keep them from running or whatever but they're usually herded up and i mean like they're they're always talking right like they're always chirping back and forth when they're moving along in in the herd right so yeah but as far as like any kind of bugling or anything like that i don't think that would really uh that's not gonna do much have any effect so but like i say this year was the first year we kind of my hunted that late right so yeah but it i mean we there's a lot of eyes when uh, when you find a herd of like two or three hundred elk, right? So yeah, and they're when it was that cold, they're kind of they move out to the flats, right? So they're kind of in open open ground, so there's not a whole lot of cover. So you kind of gotta yeah, it's it's a different type of hunting, that's for sure, than hunting them in the rut. So yeah, no doubt. 
but we managed to be successful and take down two elk in three days. So it was, it was a good hunt. Yeah. No, that's crazy, man. And, you know, looking at a lot of the content that you share through the hunting pines pages, like both on Instagram and Facebook, um, you know, it's really wild how many times, like, it just seems like whether, you know, like we were mentioning getting out with your kids and stuff like that, or whether it's your cousin or friends, like it always seems like you're down, always helping others, you know, get the job done and get success in their hunts and stuff like that and fill their tags, which is just really cool to see. Oh yeah. Like I taking people out, I, I, I get just as excited when someone else shoots an animal as like when, if I were to shoot it, sometimes, yeah. even sometimes even more, like I know, when my wife shot her first deer, like I was, you know, I was just as excited as she was. So <laughs> it's good. I just, I just love being a part of the whole process, right? Whether, yeah. whether I'm the one pulling the trigger or, or I'm the one, you know, taking someone out. I just, I just love the whole process of it, you know, from, from finding the animal to stalking the animal to, to quartering it up and throwing it on your back and hauling it out the whole the whole process is just there's if i could do it for a living that's that's what i would do no doubt man yeah i even yeah. love like just with being in the bow zone and i know i've mentioned it before with other guys that hunt the bow zone or other guys that i've had on that hunt the bow zone i've always been like man if you need help text me i'm down like you know there's not maybe as much as uh as much like group hunting that way within the bow zone because everyone's you know so close to home or whatever yeah but it's just funny because, like you say, like just being with someone in those moments, like you just kind of feed off of it. Like even if I'm not there when someone like pulls the shot, if I still go there to like help with the pack out or whatever, yeah, it, you can just feel it from them, right? You get this like they're just over the moon. The adrenaline's been dumped. They're just like this is the craziest thing that's just happened or whatever, right? And you just it's such a cool thing to like be a part of with people, like you say, regardless if it's you that has pulled the trigger or not right like it's yeah yeah like last year a buddy of mine he uh he had a 300 elk tag and well it was the last day of the general season uh, for the area i was hunting and he shoots me a text he goes oh i'm just going out going to look for an elk and then like half an hour later he's like elk down and i was like okay i'll be there to help you man so i dropped i dropped my hunt and like it was the last day just kind of looking for for a bowl or whatever yeah. and uh, just went out there and gave him a hand to to pack it out so dang man that's unreal and then elk. this year this year too my buddy shot an elk and i i'd actually i went out with uh so there's two younger kids i took out this year it was their first time hunting and uh we went and sat for uh for whitetails didn't have no luck and my buddy shoots me a text and says that he he got an elk so i grabbed the two kids i'm like okay we're going to help uh we're going to help my buddy uh quarter up an elk and haul it out so they got a they got a pretty good first experience on uh um hunting trip or whatever packing out an elk so yeah man that's super yeah. super cool and i you, yeah that's I think more of that kind of team mentality is always needed. And I know it's different. Like 
I think a lot of guys have done like deer runs or whatever you want to call it, like push and bush or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, and like in those instances, right. Like even when I was just talking with uh, Zach Hayes there recently, he was talking about like, um, like he's from Alberta, but right now he's playing hockey out in Finland. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And he's just talking about how like there, it's just like such a group mentality. Right. It's not so much just like, Oh, you're the, the biggest, baddest hunter. Cause you've taken so much stuff yourself or whatever. Right. It's like, same thing going back to like with the push in the bush thing, like there's always the people pushing and then you have your shooters or whatever. Right. And it's like, at the end of the day, when someone's successful, like the whole group is right. Like everybody kind of shares that together. It's not so much just the guy that made the shot. Right. It's from everyone's yeah. efforts. So yeah. Sometimes it takes the whole team to get it done. Right. So they definitely, yeah. I listened to that episode. They definitely have a different uh, style of hunting over there, especially like with dogs and stuff like that. That's pretty wild. Oh yeah, and they get a, like, I know they were talking about this with uh, like Yanis there from Meat Eater or whatever that he was out in Latvia, and they were like using thermal and like just legally allowed to, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Use thermal, and it's funny because you know he's like, you guys are allowed to do this, and they're like, why wouldn't you guys be allowed to? <laughs> like, it's like it's so beneficial, right? Like, where we're we're like it's cheating, right? And I mean, very much cases to make on both ends of that for sure but it's just funny like you mentioned like over there how they do things and you know, even talking to zach outside of that chat and stuff he's mentioned some of the stuff that they're like legally allowed to do and yeah you know, he's mentioned because he's like runs on his channel it's like man he's like it's it's even hard to almost show that because he's like worried that people might think that he's like in alberta or something right and he's like no 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 <laughs> like this is not here that this is happening this is in a whole nother continent right oh yeah yeah, and there's there's so many different styles of hunting like all around the world, right? So, yeah. I mean, as far I know, like there's some states um, in the U.S. that uh, people use dogs for um, like running deer. Yeah, um, and they'll run them through the bush that way. Yeah, and I mean it's it's a different style of hunting. If you don't grow up like that, it I mean to me it seems weird, but. I mean, I'm not going to bash it because that's their style of hunting, right? So yeah, everyone does it different. You all kind of got to stick together as a hunting community, right? And, you know, mm -hmm. support each other, whether or not you you do that style of hunting or not, right? Yeah. Well, and that's just that. Even, man, there's enough between just the methods of archery and rifle and stuff like that that gets people so fired up and opinionated that it's like you say, you just got to respect each other for what we all do a field within obviously like legal parameters. Right. But yeah. 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 Everyone has their own style. As long as you're doing it legally, then yeah, I mean, just kind of roll with it. I mean, we got to, people got to stop bashing each other for just cause they don't agree with that way of hunting. Right. If you don't like it, then, then don't do it. Do it yeah. your way. Yeah, exactly. It's to each their own, right? For sure. But yeah, man, I think, you know, for people to go and check out your page for sure that way, because there's a handful of uh, amazing content of guys that <laughs> not only content of yourself, that amazing stuff you've done, but just stuff that you've been a part of, you know, like whether it was your buddy there that I think what it was, he pulled like one of three goat tags or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In 2020, you <laughs> got there was yeah there's three goat tags in in alberta and i think there was like twenty six thousand 
people who applied for it. And uh, I remember, (laughs) I remember the day he phoned me. So I was, I was doing concrete at the time. um, Cause it was, that was during COVID or whatever. And uh, I was doing concrete and I was down in the basement and I get a text from my buddy and he goes, I got the goat draw. And (laughs) so like, Usually the goat and the antelope don't come out until like August. So I think it's like August 12th or 15th. Yeah. So the normal draws come out like July 10th or July 15th or something like that. So he texts me on that day and he goes, I got the goat draw. I'm like, no, you didn't. Like impossible. It doesn't come out until August. And I look on my phone. I look on Alberta realm Yeah. and I look at, my goat draw and it says not awarded. So I, I phone my buddy and like, I am ecstatic. Like I'm out in his front driveway and I am like screaming, like, Holy shit. Like <laughs> we're going goat hunting. Like I just, I, I couldn't believe it. Like we're just so stoked. Right. Like that's, I mean, you put the draw in and you, you hope to get it, but yeah. with, with it being so limited and so many people applying for it, like when we got that, like it was, it was just, I couldn't believe it. And I'm out there just, you know, I'm yelling and screaming and just happy with joy. Right. And yeah, my boss boss is like, what are you, what's your problem? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, my buddy got a goat draw. He's like, so I'm like, I quit. There's three tags, man. There's yeah. three tags. He's like, okay, cool. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, you don't understand. You don't understand. So yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Where you're yeah. like, like that's the type of, and I know it's just all kidding around, but it's like, man, that's the type of stuff where you're like, quit your job, quit everything, any sort of plans. Like, no, I'm not coming to the wedding. I'm not doing this. We're like, we're going goat hunting. Like, that's oh yeah, dude. You get yeah. It everything hits the the backburn as much as yeah. that's not usually how it goes <laughs> the boss would be like yeah what's the big deal it's yeah. like here's my two weeks like <laughs> that's a yeah. big deal with this. but anyway yeah yeah i mean that that year so i went from doing concrete and then i got a job in so i was still living in lethbridge and i got a job in the crow's nest pass and uh i went to meet the boss or whatever and i was like uh so the first thing i asked him or like had the like the interview and met him and stuff and um i'm like i don't usually do this but i'm like i need to take some time off in uh in september to go hunting he's like uh okay i'm like yeah my buddy got a goat draw so i gotta i mean it's once in a lifetime so like i gotta take time off (laughs) he just kind of looked at me yeah he gave gave me the time off which was which was awesome but yeah something you know you go for a job interview and first thing you ask is for time off it's like (laughs) i don't know if that's the right thing to do but for me it's the right thing to do when when you got that opportunity right so you just hope that the guy is going to be like you know no way (laughs) you know like absolutely you're taking the time off to go do that like i'll take the time off with you 
Yeah, I'll pay you to go. Yeah. Oh, that's, awesome. <laughs> that's that's what we dream for for sure. Yeah. So but, and then no, I mean for you, for you guys to be successful too, man. That's that's really Yeah, no, that was uh that was an awesome hunt. That got me that got me hooked on on mountain hunting. So yeah. no, that was that was awesome. I'd I'd love to do it again. So Yeah. So do you find now, um, cause like even like through your YouTube channel and through the pages and everything, like you've been all over from prairies and like you said, in the coolies and everything and into the mountains, like, do you find now you'll be doing more sheep chasing and stuff like that too, or going for more elk in the mountains and stuff? Uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really starting to get into sheep hunting. Um, mm. we went, I did a, a 10 day hunt this year. Um, was kind of my my biggest sheep hunt so far so um we were unsuccessful but successful in other ways so i mean you got to take you got to learn something every time you go out right so absolutely yeah but no it was it was good this year we seen seen a lot of sheep um seen seen lots of ewes and lambs and then some younger younger rams um but we figured we were kind of in like a nursery area. So, but, uh, you just gotta, you just gotta keep going out and just go to different spots. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah that was one of the, one of the reasons I wanted to move to the past too. Right. Is I can be closer to the mountains and do, do more mountain hunting. So, yeah, really get out there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just recently here, like the last fall, um, you ran into that double header as well with yeah. you and anybody out there. Yeah, I did. I uh, got two white tails. So that white tail buck I got was actually the, the nicest buck I've got so far. Wow. Um, but yeah, I was sitting. So I went where I took those two, the two younger kids there. Um, we were sitting kind of on the riverbank and we'd rattled in a buck. And uh, when I had the kids there, the kids took a shot at the one and he ended up missing. But uh, I went back there a week later, sat in the same spot, did some rattling. And uh, that buck came down the exact, exact same trail and crossed the river in the exact same spot. It was like a different that, buck. I feel like that never I was just going to say, I feel like that never happens. It's always like a different location, at least for myself. You think they're going to take the same trail and then it's somewhere else. Yeah. No, came down the exact same trail, crossed the river. So I I shot him and uh, he ran into the trees and I knew he was down or whatever. And uh, I was sitting there. I gave him like 15 minutes, started packing my stuff up and uh, I threw my bag on. And it was, so I kind of had to go up and around the coulee and then drop down to where, to where he was on the other side of the river. And, uh, as I was walking away, I noticed like five does coming down a different trail, right? Kind of towards me. And I got, there's supplemental, uh, doe tags in that area. So I was like, well, might as well fill this one too. So he came in and I, I shot her and they died like. 40 yards apart. Yeah. 
that's nuts. I was gonna say didn't didn't because I think you shared a walk up video and it was like you walked up to the one and then you walked to the next one and I was like no way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I walked to that doe and then it was literally like forty yards into the trees where where that buck buck had passed. So wow. Yeah, it was nice. So I drug them out to the other side of the to the river bottom there, and then uh, actually ran into a buddy on top, and then. Uh, he drove down we picked up the deer and then drove back to my truck so dude yeah that's so crazy so and then you said that one was the biggest one so did you tape it yourself then yeah well actually no i didn't tape it myself i brought it to the to the hillcrest fishing game and they taped it so oh nice yeah i think it taped out at like one just under 130 so nice yeah and that's unreal what a crazy yeah like it's just so situational or rare to have that happen so quickly yeah. like dude that's just such a crazy thought to even think that that could happen that way you know yeah and i mean a lot of i mean a lot of people think like you know like you if you you know you shoot you shoot one deer you take a couple shots with the gun that everything is just like gone yeah so like you know, in that instance, it was 15 minutes and they come trotting down, trotting down the trail. And I mean, I know, I know I've heard people talk about, you know, walking into their stand and stuff and blowing out a deer and thinking that their whole day is ruined. But I mean, really, I mean, stuff is moving around. Animals are moving around all the time. Yeah. So just because one deer is blown out, it don't mean that another one is going to come from the other side of the field or something like that. Right. So, yeah, that's what I think probably one of the toughest things for me when I first got into hunting as an adult was like, <laughs> how much advice is just like, I don't know what the right word is like, uh, more so probability, like, you know, probability is that a deer won't follow your footsteps into the spot that you're in right yeah but i've had it happen you know it's like or you know probability like you said is like if you blow something out and spook it it's probably not going to come back but yeah it happens, you know and it's so funny because i've had that exact thing happen where i've walked to my stand in the pitch black no light or anything and i literally bumped a deer i don't know maybe it was like five feet away from me and it gave me a near heart attack just thinking how close yeah. i was to it by the time i got up and freaked out um and of course, like, you know, he, he never came back. Right. But later that day when I got back home, I was, you know, doing the old Google for tips. Right. And it's yeah. like, you look at some of these forums, right. And the guys are they're like, yeah, you know, I, you know, it's the same kind of thing. Like if it's raining, I go home, like they're not moving in the rain, you know? And then you have guys being like, I shot the biggest year of my life in the middle of a tornado storm, you know what I mean? Like in the worst weather possible. Right. Oh yeah. Like my, my buddy shot the biggest bear he's ever shot in the nastiest, nastiest windstorm. Like that doesn't even make sense. Right. Like, and actually it's been, what, I think he shot, he shot a few bears now. Um, but, uh, two or three of them have been in like nasty, nasty windstorms. Yeah. And I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you go out or if, if you got a day to go out, no matter the weather, just go. Cause you never know what you're going to see. Yeah. I mean, 
like say animals are moving all the time and i mean if it's raining i mean a deer still got to get up and eat you know yeah. they they live out in that stuff and they they're in my mind they're still gonna they're still gonna be moving around at some point right so yeah they're not just gonna go hungry because it's been raining for three days yeah like yeah i mean i still go outside in the rain i'm sure deer can handle it <laughs> yeah living it all year <laughs> yeah that's funny man so is there any other you know stories from your time out in the field that really stick out to you as you know some of the most memorable moments oh probably like i say one of the recently uh that the hunt with my with my daughter and her friend there that was uh that was a really uh memorable hunt like um and then uh some other encounters i've had so when we were when we were goat hunting um so like the biggest so a goat's um like the top predator for a goat is uh we learned because when when he got that tag he had to go and uh he talked to biologists and stuff like that yeah and uh the biologist had said that the number one predator for a goat is a, a golden eagle. Dang. Yeah. So what they do is, especially for like the, the young kids or whatever, yeah. they actually, they swoop down and they knock them off. They knock them off the cliff edges and stuff. Right. So, God. yeah. So I remember we were, we were hiking into this valley and, uh, we had looked back and we seen a, a lone you kind of sitting on a bluff or whatever. And we were watching her and all of a sudden the golden Eagle came in and started flying around it and started swooping down at this you and like trying to knock it off the cliff edge that it was standing on. That's insane. Like, oh dude, it was like, I've seen videos and stuff like on, on youtube and stuff but to actually see it in real life was was wild man wild like moving down and this this you was just like running back and forth on this little cliff or whatever and like the size of that golden eagle compared to that you was was nuts like that thing's wingspan was i don't even know i want to say it was eight feet like that might be over exaggerating, but like it, like the size difference compared like the U to that Eagle was just, was nuts. And we were, I want to say we were about 500 yards away. And, uh, I usually like, I carry a video camera on me all the time when I'm, when I'm out, but like, we're just, I was watching through the binos. And by the time I got my video camera out to like take a video, it, the the eagle had flown away but like and watching that was like it was like national geographic stuff like it was it was wild it was so cool to see dude yeah that's nuts and to see that like even at 500 yards away and get that like size you know the size difference like yeah like and, and it was like swooping like right close like right over top of it like, and it's just like man those birds are so so freaking big did you so big did, did you catch wind of that video that was just recently? Sh- I don't know if it was on Alberta hunting addicts or what I was on going around kind of on a bunch of the 
forums and pages and stuff of that like it was a doe that i think was like struggling on the ice like it couldn't get its footing on ice oh and that eagle was picking away at it yeah it comes out and like picks away at its eyes and stuff and whatever yeah i've seen that that's just so crazy and i mean i i I knew that that's what they go for first, right? Like I've always heard like they go for the eyes first, other than like in that instance, like knock it off a cliff. Like that's pretty smart, you know, <laughs> and then yeah, go yeah. deal with it after. But, and yeah, man, like even that video, it's just, yeah. That's wild, man. Nat- nature is, nature's freaking cool, cruel, man. It's cruel. Like, you know, cause I was, you see, you see videos of deer on ice and once they fall, like, when that ice is super slick, like they're, they're pretty much stuck there. They can't get up because their feet just don't, their hooves just slip, right? Like they got no grip. Yeah. So once they, once they fall down and you know, that thing just struggling, trying to get up and that bird just picking away at its face. It's like, Oh man, that would be, that would be such a terrible way to go. Well, yeah, man. And then like, I, I can't remember. I think the guy in the video is saying something like, I better go before these, like, the doe screams, like, attract a bear or whatever, right? And attract some other predator. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just such a reminder of just how cruel and harsh, like, the world and nature can be, you know, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, like, for for most, you know, if, if people understood that how how ethical it is for a hunter to take an animal with a bow or a rifle or a spear or any way. I mean, it's, they go a lot faster than when an animal takes them, you know, like a coyote or a wolf. They, they eat them things while they're still alive from the ass end. Right. Yeah. As for, yeah, it's nuts. Like seeing that is nuts. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's cruel world out there. Like it's not Disney. No. And that's just it. Right. Like, and it's, and it's exactly like you say, like, you know, it, when you look at it through that lens, it, it paints hunting in a much more ethical way than what I feel like a large percentage of society paints it out to be. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it, people are just, they don't have the experience. They're not educated and yeah. you know, just, they see a picture of someone holding up a, a nice buck or a bull and they're just like you guys are cruel it's yeah. Like, yeah, no no we're not we're just trying to feed our family and uh have a little bit of adventure exactly that and you know i think when you know going back to even like you mentioned like educating the kids there and your daughter it's like you know that's such valuable stuff because and i just always relate to it from the adult side of things like the first time that I harvest a deer, right? Or like the first time you you ate something at your table that you brought to your family or it's just like that food gets hit with a different type of not that not all food should be hit with the same type of respect, but it just you hold it different to you, right? Like you just none of it goes in the garbage can, you know, not that it would before. Yeah. It's, it just it has this value to it. And then like for the kids to understand that value also helps them understand the value of all the food they eat maybe not just what they've hunted or been a part of. Right. Yeah, definitely. When you, uh, when you put a little more work into, to get in your food, you definitely don't want to let it go to waste. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's not an easy task getting, getting an animal out of the woods. 
Yeah. Sometimes you're lucky enough to back your truck up to it, and sometimes you got to haul it out for 10K on your back multiple yeah. times. <laughs> At minus 40, yeah. <laughs> At minus 40, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, got, we got pretty lucky with with that one. We didn't have to go too far, but yeah. it, was, uh, it was definitely nice that we were able to get in there a little bit closer to with the truck to pack it out so yeah there's those there's those long packs yeah and, um, yeah oh, what else do we got i had uh yeah, i ran in ran into a bear this year in its den well i was out with my buddy he had another cow elk tag as well so, so this was like in its den, like well hibernating, like in January, or like, or was it? Uh, before? This would have been in December. Um, yeah. So my my buddy had a had a tag. He had the not the late late season, but like just kind of the general season, and then it, I think it goes to December twenty first. So we were yeah mid mid December we had gone out and. Uh, We'd gone out the first day and then we come back the second day to the same area and we found some elk, but they were on the other side of the fence that we didn't have permission on. So we ended up, we're coming back and we're walking down the same um, slope that we walked down the day before. And I was looking at it and like on the same trail and I looked up and I seen like a, it looked like a new, like a new den, something had dug a hole. And it it looked like a a coyote den, you know, just a pile of dirt there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so I'm gonna go check it out. So I stand up on the on the little mound of dirt, and I look in, and as I'm kind of poking my head around, I can see like some red fur, and I thought it was a fox at first. So I stuck my head right in there, and like I was probably two feet from a bear's nose i just looked in there i seen two beady little eyes and i was like holy shit <laughs> and my my buddy keith is like what is it i'm like there's a bear in there dude it's right there <laughs> dude that's terrifying <laughs> oh man i was yeah that that'll get your heart pumping man like that was, was like holy <laughs> so i went of course i've got to i've got to investigate more so <laughs> I kind of went back and around and stepped back a little bit farther and had a look again, but he was, he looked like a small bear. It was probably his first year, um, first year denning up by himself, but he was, uh, he was a pretty little cinnamon bear, but he wasn't very deep in there. And uh, he was, he was probably more scared than we were. Cause when I looked at him, he was just like, he was trembling. So I kind of, Kind of had another little peek, took a little video, and then we were on our way. So, but <laughs> yeah, the first, the first initial like poke my head in there, thinking it's a fox, you know. And I, I mean, a fox can still do some damage to you if it gets a hold of you. But yeah, yeah to see the just the two little beady eyes and the and the nose, I was just like, oh man, dude, that's nuts. That's just too yeah. funny. Yeah. Well, then I had to go back and investigate more. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, you always got to go check it out, right? I mean, you always got to have that sense of adventure. That's too funny, man. 
Yeah. Had the bear spray. I got a bear spray holster on my binos and I just kind of unlocked it just in case and had that ready to go if uh, if he decided to tear out at me. So Yeah, come ripping. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah, there's that and then what else? We had a uh, we had a cougar stalk us a few years oh, ago. I think I seen that picture. Did you take a picture of it after like looking at you through the trees? Yeah, yeah, I took I had a I took a video of it. It was about 10 minutes we we uh we kind of had a stare down with it so we were it was like two days i think it was like two days before the seat the general season ended so it was like november 28th and uh we were elk hunting weren't having any luck so we were walking back up the ridge and i mean we were bullshitting talking back and forth like weren't being quiet at all like the hunt was pretty much done heading back to the quad and uh, we were kind of side-hilling on the ridge, and my buddy looks over, and he goes, holy shit, man, there's a cat. Then I looked and turned, and you know you know when you're, when you're like, stalking something, and it kind of, it looked like it notices you, and you just kind of crouch down. And wow. Get, get down and don't move. That's, that's, exactly, that's exactly what that cat did. Dude, that's so scary to think about. Oh, yeah. He was... Well, I ranged him out at 22 yards. Yeah. And uh, he just kind of sat there. I I remember having my gun. I loaded my gun. And uh, I'm like, if that thing takes one more step, I'm taking a shot. But yeah. he just crouched down there, and I, I pulled out my video camera. I took some video of him. And he sat there for about, I want to say about 10 minutes. We sat there and watched him, and he was—he was a big cat. He had a big scar on his on his right eye. I kind of went right over his eye from his onto his face or whatever. Yeah. So we kind of hung out there, and then I look over at my buddy, and he's like trying to take a selfie. <laughs> I'm like, "Are you taking a selfie?" He's like, "Yep." You don't get to me all the other time. I'm just like, "Holy shit." <laughs> dude that's crazy oh yeah it was it was uh definitely that gets the heart pumping when like and i mean the day before we were standing around the fire and just bullshitting and we the conversation came up on like how many times have have we walked by a cat or you know been sitting there and you know, a cat being s- sitting up in the tree or like, just how close have you been? Have you, uh, have you, has a guy been to a cat without knowing? Right. Yeah. And the next day we found out that, yeah, who knows, you know, it could have been, yeah, it was. That's a coincidence, you know, <laughs> just to be talking about that right before, like, Holy cow. Yeah. That was, that was pretty crazy. That's a little yeah. too close for comfort, for sure, man. That's crazy. Yeah, but it's yeah, it's all about being in the bush and all about the adventure, right? So you never, you never know what you're gonna run into. Yeah, and to be prepared for it all, for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Always, so, I always, I always got bear spray on my uh, bino harness. So that's something I just actually made an adjustment for, and just finally got it mounted on the harness. I always just had it like on the belt holster or whatever. And then I finally have it. So it's tucked underneath the harness. Nice. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, my, old, my old vinyl harness I had, it was just one of the Badlands one. Yeah. And uh, I ended up, I, I strapped on a, a case for my range finder and I put a bunch of leather strapping on for my, uh, for my uh, bear spray. So yeah. So, yeah. The new one's got all that um, incorporated in it. So it's nice. Yeah. That's nice. So for uh, 2024 here, what do you got for kind of goals going into spring, summer and into next fall? Do you got any spring bear plans or anything fishing throughout the summer? Next yeah, I'll probably do do some fishing throughout the summer. Um, I do want to go out this spring and try and get a bear. Um, I want to get a, a bear for my wife, actually. That's going to be one of my goals. Nice. Is to get a bear for the wife there. She's been wanting to get one for a while, so we're gonna we're gonna push hard for that. And then uh, I might actually have an opportunity to uh, go guide in uh, BC. Wow. Yeah. So I've been talking to an outfitter. Um, we're supposed to meet up here in the next week or two, and uh, kind of do a beat and greet and uh, see if if i'm a good fit to to go be a guide or like a wrangler or whatever yeah get started so there's there's a lodge in bc that are looking for guides so i'm gonna see if i can if i can do that so be yeah so they do hunts for uh, mountain goat stone sheep elk and moose and bear so wow badass man that's uh that's something we'll see how that pans out so yeah and then uh, and then i mean depending on if um if i get if i get a guiding opportunity will be dependent on what draws i put in this year so yeah the remainder of the year kind of thing yeah so i might possibly have uh an antelope draw that I can pull and depending on what zone I want to go to, I might have a mule deer buck draw. So nice. Man. Yeah. And then, uh, then yeah, those, those younger kids I took out, um, this year, I'm going to try and get them out of a few more times this year. So, or next year, try and get them, uh, a white tail or whatever. So, cause they don't, they won't have any draw priority yet, so. Yeah, that'll still be nice, though. At least get out with them for any sort of general tag, too, for sure. So. Yeah, yeah, I can you can go out for elk, too, with them, but that's depending on depending on how much uh, they want to hike, so. Yeah, no doubt. That's another <laughs> endeavor, for sure. But. Yeah, you got you to gotta keep them entertained, and you don't want to get them deterred from it right so yeah yeah but you know i don't know it's uh i gotta say casey you're uh an exceptional role model for the kids there um both for you know how you're bringing them up with like you say you know letting them get into what they want to get into but also you know leading by example like in a big way whether it's you know them that they're taking out or showing them you know you got to be there for your fellow man and helping people out there as well and everything like you've got a really solid code of ethics out in the field it looks like and it's just refreshing to see man i've got to commend you for it 
Awesome, man. I appreciate that. No, I mean it, man. It's uh, it's crazy talking to you about all this stuff, and it's I don't know one of the reasons I love doing this, right? Is just because you know you can tell through like that was one thing that I picked up on you just through you know when we were first talking and just looking through different photos and things as you share them. I was like, man, this guy's not only getting on everything himself, but also making sure people are finding success too. And that's that's freaking huge, man. That's really awesome that everything that you do out there. Yeah, no, I, like I say, I, I enjoy every aspect of it, whether I'm, you know, pulling the trigger or someone else's, man. I, I like to pass on whatever little information I have to whoever wants to, whoever wants to learn it. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like I say, hopefully once my kids get old enough that they can start hunting, I know, uh, Kaylee will be, well, she got two more years and she can start bird hunting. So yeah. I take them, I take them to the range when I can. And we go, um, we're going to do some gopher hunting this year with them, get them on that. And then, uh, they got, they got bows or whatever. So we got, a, I got a target set up in the backyard. So we, nice. we shoot that at target every once in a while. And I want to, I want to start going to some of these shoots with them. So we'll yeah. see if we can scratch out some time for that so yeah man absolutely yeah it's something for sure that they could really enjoy some of the yeah no they enjoy doing it they they really like it so yeah that's cool to see if we can do around because there's so many shoots like we growing up i know we always went to lots of different shoots i know pitribute put on lots of 3d shoots uh like Stavely, um, Lots of outdoor shoots around. There's one in Pitcher Butte. I know there's one in Tabor. Yeah. Um, and then, well, you you guys are putting on that shoot this year. That would be that would be sweet to go to. Yeah, that's going to be uh, super fun. We actually just had a meeting for that last night, and uh, it was like probably 25 of the executives of that range or whatever all showed up. <laughs> I was like, man, this oh, is yeah. a good good turnout for people for kind of getting an idea of where we're going with it, what we need to make it all happen and everything. And I think there's just a, you know, like you say, there's a lot of shoots that are awesome to see. And I think there's a lot of ranges right now that are recuperating from all the pandemic stuff, right? Like there, yeah, a lot of ranges lost some membership and a lot of people are at home not doing a lot. So I think a lot of them are trying to rekindle this, like, okay, let's get out in the summer. Like you say, all these different shoots going on, try to organize them with each other in a way too, like, I know Derek from Grizz there and Matt Ponto, they got stuff with the Heisler club going on quite a bit now too, uh, down there. And that's just, everybody wants to support each other and see each other throughout Alberta, you know, have a good time, be successful. And same thing. I think everyone's reasonably trying to book things on different weekends and stuff like that too, and make sure everybody's got time to get over to each other's stuff and support each other. Like you're saying too. So. Yeah, no, definitely. Cause there's, when you get, when you get that many shoots, there's only there's only so many weekends in, <laughs> yeah. in the summer for that to go out. And for the most part, if you got a shoot in September, you're probably not going to have a very good turnout. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you put it in hunting season, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, Casey, I got to thank you for coming on the pod, man. I would love to uh, have you on again in the future for sure, especially, you know, after 2024, if you get into some guiding stuff or anything that... Uh, 
you get up to with the kids or anything. I would love to talk to you again about it all, man. It's been really nice chatting with you. Yeah, definitely, man. I got a, I got a list of stories and adventures, man, and hope to, to have a lot more in the future. So oh, I appreciate you having me on, man. It was, it was good. This pod is, uh, it's awesome, man. It's the most listened to pod that I listen to. So Dang. Well, I appreciate that a lot, man. Thank you a ton. And yeah. yeah, it's stuff like that that keeps me fired up to keep doing it. And honestly, having discussions like this, I always leave with a full cup, you know? So that's yeah, good. definitely, man. And I know a lot of people, I mean, I've taken a lot from other people's stories and experiences and stuff like that too, right? So, oh, yeah. It's, it's good, man. I enjoy it. So. Yeah, keep, it, keep it going man you're you got a good thing going on here so well, i appreciate that a ton casey and yeah i got a lot coming up too i'm super stoked to share with you too so perfect man i'm stoked okay well uh yeah man you have a great evening there and uh yeah i look forward to uh talking to you again soon sounds good man you have a good night thanks man take care yeah bye